Thank you for tuning in to the Springs Church Podcast. Here, you'll find messages that are powerful, inspiring, but most importantly, straight from the Word of God. If you're located near Tacoa, Georgia, or in Tacoa, Georgia, we'd love to see you on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Enjoy today's message, and remember, we love you, Tacoa. Alright, so do me a favor, if you got your Bible, if you don't, it's going to be on the screen. I'm going to pull this around here, Jure, if that's okay. We're going to be in 1 John. 1 John. We're going to be reading two passages this morning. Um, 1 John chapter 1, um, we're going to start in verse 5, we're going to end in verse 7, and then we're going to jump to 1 John again still, we're going to go to the next chapter. That's in uh, chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 3. All right, so let's read this together. 1 John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we heard from Jesus, and now declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. Y'all pay attention to that, all right? So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. Let's jump to chapter two. Chapter two, it says, and we can be sure, verse three, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Verse four, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those, verse 5, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. This morning, I just want to share briefly. I'm going to try to keep it brief, I promise, okay? Um, Living in the truth. Living in the truth. Um, We live in a time right now where people are redefining truth every second, every second, every moment, right? Redefining truth. Um, But it's interesting here, John begins this book, and if you guys don't know John, he was the apostle John, the guy who walked with Jesus. Um, He he called himself the beloved. Um, John said two things. He began... He said, number one, God is light. That's the first truth that that John establishes. God is light. And light pretty much means pure, brilliant, fire, bright, truth, knowledge, understanding. So every type of definition you can think of for light, John is saying that this is God. This is his character. This is his nature. God is pure. There is nothing that defiles God. God is brilliant. If you guys remember the story when Paul or when Saul, was it Paul or Saul? One of them, y'all know it. He was on the Damascus Road, right? Because he was persecuting Christians. It was Saul. And then the Bible says that a blinding light appeared, right? Blinded him. The brilliance of God. God is fire. He's a consuming fire. He is truth. There is no impartiality with God. He is knowledge. He's understanding. He knows all things. The Bible says that God existed before the foundation of the world. So John establishes that God is light. And then the second thing that John establishes is that there is no darkness in him at all. There's none whatsoever. And darkness is, there's no dimness. There's no obscurity. There's no ignorance. There's no wickedness. There's no blindness. There's no shadow. God is perfect, right? There's no darkness in him at all. God's not ignorant. Some of us, we ignorant. That's just the truth. You can say, I'm ignorant. We all ignorant. We got our moments, right? But that is not who God is. That is not who God is. And John is establishing these truths because he's addressing the church because the church has, has fallen into this place where they think that there can be mixture that they can serve God and still live how they want to, right? 
And you see it now. You hear a lot of, a lot of people who stand on a pulpit and they tell you it's okay to live how you want to. Right? God knows your heart. How many times have you heard that? God knows my heart. And you're making an excuse to be disobedient or to be rebellious. But can I tell you, church, that if you call yourself a Christian, if you say that you believe in Jesus, right, and and that's the banner that you want to walk under, there is a standard that we have to live by. We cannot conform, right? The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 12, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that means you can't just live any which way how you want to. Doesn't matter what the culture is saying, right? Doesn't matter. So we read in 1 John, starting in verse 5, it says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. We're not practicing the truth. So, so many people say, man, I have a relationship with God. Or you hear people, they stand up all the time, man, I just want to thank God. People love to give the appearance. They like to show. They like, they, you know, everybody in the South, they, they call themselves Christians, right, because that's the right thing to do. Everybody's a Christian. If you go to church, you're a Christian, supposedly, right? If your mama went to church, oh, my mama's a praying mama. My grandmama prayed for me, so I'm a Christian. But all the while, this is one thing that caught my attention, right? If, if we say we have fellowship with God, fellowship with God, right? But we go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. So it's one thing to have fellowship with. It's one thing to say you have fellowship with God. It's another thing for there to be evidence and proof that you have fellowship with God. Amen? Amen. Fellowship. Fellowship. We all know what that means. It's association, right? It's like a, it's like a, a brotherhood or sisterhood. It's, it's like a family. Um, that's what the word means. It's like a family, like a, a communion, Right? Like, if I, if I don't have a relationship with you, I can't be in fellowship with you, right? If you're married, right, you're in fellowship. You're supposed to be anyway. Right? We have fellowship. But see, the problem is, especially in this modern-day church, is that we, we want the title. We want the appearance but we actually don't want the substance, right? We want people to think that we live a certain way or that we identify a certain way, that we believe certain things, but when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, when it comes down to where, where the rubber meets the road, there is no substance whatsoever. There's no substance, right? Some of us, we want the legal benefits without meeting the qualifications. Some of us, we want the status but not the responsibility of it. I remember um, I was in college, and I was uh, president of this, um, this group. And this individual decided that I didn't know what I was doing. And so he decided to get a group of students who had nothing to do with this group, and Jere can tell you. Um, and they decided to do a coup and overthrow me from my position as the president of this group, because he felt like I wasn't catering to what he thought I should be doing. So he wanted the status of, hey, this is who I am, but he didn't put in the work. He didn't want the responsibility. He wanted the easy way. And some of us, we think that we can have the easy way in our walk with God. Some of us don't want to labor. Some of us don't want to work. Christianity, your relationship with God is not something that is a handout. I know the government, the last few years, has been, has been giving handouts, and everybody loves those stimulus checks because you ain't got to work for it. And some of y'all blew it within the first hour that you got it, right? Right? But your relationship with God is not a stimulus package. Can I tell you that? It's not a stimulus package. You got to work for it. 
You got to put in work. That's why you like if you talk to people who are wealthy, if you talk to people who are wealthy, they never say that they 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 got wealthy off of a get rich, you know, quick scheme. It took time. It takes time. And it actually surprised me. I was reading the other day. It's in pro- it's a proverb, guys. It says that get rich quick schemes do not lead to long-term wealth. I was shocked when I saw that. It's in proverbs. Some of y'all need that's your word today. Stop, stop falling into those get-rich-quick-scheme traps, right? Some of us claim, want to claim the results of having, like, I'm going to use this example, like a gym membership without actually going to the gym, right? You ever met somebody who is like, you know, they get a gym membership, and then, you know, they get all the gear. They got the, the bandana, you know, they got, the, they got the, the workout outfit and everything. They got their bottled water. They got their plan. They're like, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then you check in with them like three months later, and you're like, you got a gym membership? You've been going to the gym? And they talk about this all the time, but you don't see any result, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I was having a conversation with somebody recently, and it was, it was very funny. So we were talking, and we were saying, I was saying, I have a treadmill at my house. I got a treadmill. The Lord blessed me with a treadmill. Thank the Lord. Because I was praying for one. I was praying for one. I was like, God, I don't want to have to buy one. Lord, I want a nice one. I want this. I was being specific, and, and so I got the treadmill, and I was excited. I was excited, right? And so I got my treadmill, and so the first three weeks, y'all, I was so committed. I was waking up. I'd get up after my prayer time. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get on the treadmill, and I'm working out, working out, working out, working out, working out, right? And then all of a sudden, there's this thing that begins to creep in, and it's called complacency. Another word is called compromise. And slowly but surely, my goal, because I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to work out, I'm going I'm to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to change my eating habits, I'm going to do all that. And then slowly but surely, I start to dissipate. I start to kind of let it go, right? And then the, the, this person I was talking to, they were telling me that, you know, they had a gym membership, you know, and they only went for like two weeks. And that was it, you know? That was it. They, 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 they didn't keep up with it. But it got me thinking because so many people go to the gym with an expectation. They go to the gym thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to become. And so they associate themselves, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm having a membership at this gym, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. But then, because they don't remain in fellowship, they don't, they don't keep that relationship with, that, with those dumbbells and that treadmill, you don't see the result. And you don't see the fruit in their life. So they can talk, you know, they can have all the outfit. They can have all of that. They can appear like they are a, a consistent member at the gym. But if you look at them, there's no result. There's no evidence, right? There's no evidence. We, we want the appearance of a relationship with God. But if somebody looks at your life, they don't see the evidence. If somebody looks at your life, they don't see that you, re- you really believe what you're talking about. It's just sugar. That's all it is. It's fluff. Um, a couple years ago, something that really hit me hard, um, I went to this worship conference. And um, it was hosted by Rick Pino. I don't know if anybody knows Rick Pino. And he said something that challenged me. It hit me so deep. And I, at the time, I didn't understand it. Um, and I was trying, but it was like there was, there was no level of discipline. There was no level of, of committing myself. But he said something that really hit me hard. He said, we love to talk about and preach about the miracles that Jesus did, right? And we love to say, man, God, this is what, 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 what I want to do. This is how I want to live my life. This is, I want to lay, lay hands on the, hit, the sick and see them be healed. I want to cast out demons. I want to do all this stuff. But then he said something, and I'm, it's like it hit me like an arrow. He said, we, we want to do these things, but what we don't want is to have the prayer life that Jesus had. We want to do what Jesus did. We want to walk like Jesus walked. We want to have power and authority like Jesus had it, but what we don't want to do is get in the prayer closet the same way that Jesus did. That prayer closet is the fellowship place between you and God. 
is the relationship place between you and God. You're not going to see power active in your life if you're not in fellowship with God. You can say the right stuff. You can go to church. You can sit here every Sunday. It doesn't matter. If you are not cultivating that fellowship, if you're not cultivating that relationship, if you're not associating yourself with God himself, who is light, where there's no darkness. See, the thing about the prayer closet is, and this is why I believe a lot of Christians are afraid of the prayer closet, because the moment you get into the prayer closet, the Bible says that God is light. And so what does light do? It exposes. And for some of us, we got some stuff that we don't want God to expose. Because the moment God exposes it, then it becomes, who are you going to serve? Because nobody can serve two masters. You can serve God or you can serve your addiction. You can serve God or you can serve your pride. You can serve God or you can serve your pornography. You can serve God or you can serve your religion. God is going to expose every dark area. That's why we don't like to get into prayer closet. We don't like it. In this, in this, in this time, like we, we live in a, in a culture of my truth. You guys heard that? This is my truth. This is my truth. Oh, no, well, just because you, you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not true to me. It's my truth, so because I feel this way, it's valid. And what you have to say about it doesn't matter. My truth. What is my truth? So I looked it up in the, the Urban Dictionary. So my truth, pretentious substitute for non-negotiable personal opinion. It's like you're stubborn, you're rigid. It's like, nah, this is what I believe. You can't, you can't change my mind. And if you try to change my mind, you're wrong. Right? It's often used by academics. Um, it's a convenient phrase for avoiding arguments because people can contradict your opinion, but not your truth. Right? Everything has been, has been, is being transformed into, oh, well, this is your opinion. There's no, there's no standard anymore. And so because, because, because the standard is trying to be dismantled, it's there, you can go left, you can go right. That's why you see people redefining what a man and a woman is. Right? That's why you saw, that's why you saw, the, rede the redefinition of marriage between one man and one woman. Right? You see, like, I, I think it's in California. I think uh, Pastor James just sent me this, but they, they're passing a law. Is it California or somewhere? I, I, for I forget. Washington, where they're legalizing to where a minor, if they want a sex change, the, they do not have to have the consent of the parent. And if the parent opposes it, the parent can actually be thrown in jail for opposing their child's consent to want to have a sex change. Redefining truth. Because it's how they feel, right? It's how they feel. People love, it's, people love to justify how they feel. They love to justify why they think a certain way. You know the Bible says man is man. God created them from the beginning. Man, female, male, female, right? You know the Bible says that marriage is between one man and one woman. You know the Bible says, hey, God says do not worship any other idol. Do not even practice witchcraft, divination, all that stuff. But we like to justify. We like to make excuses. But what happens when your truth contradicts God's truth? And see, that's a crossroad that we often find ourselves in. When we feel something and we feel justified in feeling this way, but then God's word says differently. What are you going to do then? Some of us, we struggle with forgiveness. The Bible says that we have to forgive. Peter asked, God, how, much, how many times should I forgive my neighbor who sins against me? Seven times? Because Peter's like, man, I got this person. He's, he's, 
That's, it's already five times. I'm going to give him two more chances, and I'm going to lay the wrath of God on him. Peter's the guy who cut the, the, the dude's ear off when they were arresting Jesus. Like, Peter was like that, right? Peter was ready to go in. And Jesus says no 70 times 7. Essentially what Jesus is saying, for every moment and every opportunity that somebody hurts you, you have to forgive. And Jesus tells a parable, and he says, hey, there was this uh, uh, rich king, and somebody owed him money, and the guy came and begged and said, hey, please give me uh, time. I promise I'll come up with the money. And the Bible says the king had compassion, and so he forgave this guy's debt. But then this guy turns around, and he had a servant, and he goes to the servant, and he pretty much threatens him and says, hey, where's my money? And his servant begs him for the same compassion that this guy was just begging the king. And the guy was like, no, no, I want my money now. Give me my money now. If you can't give me my money now, I'm going to put you in jail. And so some of the other servants saw this guy who just got his debt forgiven. And they got frustrated and upset with him. So they went and reported what he did to the king guy. And so the king called him back and said, hey, I forgave you. Why didn't you forgive somebody else? So because you've refused to forgive that person, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you in jail. And you're going to be tormented until you can pay back what you owe me. And this is a picture of forgiveness because a lot of times God, God has forgiven us, right? The Bible says that Jesus was nailed on the cross. Right? Um, through the shedding of his blood, there's remission of sin and there's forgiveness. And so God forgives us, but we turn around and somebody hurts us. And instead of forgiving them, we hold on to that. We hold on to that bitterness. We hold on to the resentment. We hold on to the hurt. We hold on to the pain because we're, we're, we're justified. It's my truth. They hurt me. I feel this way. I didn't deserve this. And so I will never forgive you for what you did to me. And so God says, all right, like it's, it's, it's essentially a universal law. Hey, if you can't forgive, you're going to be tormented until you let it go, until you forgive. It's the truth of God, until, until, right, until you forgive. Your truth cannot trump God's truth. Your truth has to come under submission and alignment to God's truth. If you're a Christian... If you believe in Jesus, if you name the name of Jesus, if that's the banner that you want to carry, you cannot live your own way. You cannot make up your own truth and then try to adapt God's word to that truth. You have to adapt your life to God's truth, to God's standard. Amen? And so because, because a lot of us, we find ourselves in this state of compromise, in this state of, of confusion, whatever it is, the Bible says we're living in spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness is negating or rejecting the power of the blood of Jesus in your life. Remember Israel when when God told them, hey, on Passover, I'm about to set you all free from Egypt. So you guys need to take uh, uh, an animal. I think it was a lamb. You need to solder it and you want to take the blood and then put it on the doorpost, right? And then he said this one thing. He said, um, everybody who is inside the house is going to be safe from the angel of death. When the angel of death passes over, right, and he's killing all the firstborn. But anyone who's found outside of the house, they are subject to the wrath and judgment of God. And see, what happens is when we, when we begin to live how we want to live, when we're living in sin, when we're living in spiritual darkness, we're coming outside of the house that has the blood on the doorpost. We're coming outside of the house because the, it might be a thrill because you think that you have everything under control. And instead of remaining in the, in, in the place of protection, in the place of safety, in the dwelling place of the Most High, you find yourself outside where you are subject to every type of, of attack, every type of judgment, right? The Bible says that Jesus is our advocate. Right? Later in um, 1 John, the Bible says that um, if we sin, that we have an advocate with the Father, that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and he's pleading our case. He's our lawyer. And why is he pleading our case? Well, the Bible also says that we have an enemy, and his name is Satan. And the Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. And the Bible says that Satan is constantly going to God, constantly accusing. But why would he be accusing constantly? 
because he wants legal right over you. He wants legal right in your life. And so when you are submitted under the blood of Jesus, the Bible says that your sins are cleansed. You're found spotless. You're found blameless as if you never sinned. But the moment you step outside of that, the moment you step outside of the house, it's free game. Because the enemy will go go to the Father, and he will accuse you of something. And because you're not covered under the blood, because the way you're choosing to live, you're negating the power of the blood, then God has to, it's, it's a law. Like, if you're living in sin, the enemy has power over you. In any area of your life, any area of your life that is not subject, that is not submitted to God, the enemy has legal right in that area. That's why, uh, not Paul, John is, is saying, hey, we need to live in the light. Living in the light is being cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It's a continual work. As long as you remain in the house, you're going to be cleansed. If you step outside, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you need to get back in the house. Get back in the house. Sub- you have to submit yourself. It's not like a one-time thing. It's a, it's a daily walk. It's a daily walk. It's a daily walk. It's a daily walk. So John is saying, hey, live in the light. Live in the light. If you say you have fellowship with God, if you say this, this is who you associate with, this is what you believe, do not go living in spiritual darkness. The Bible says that we're supposed to expose darkness, right? We're not supposed to partner with darkness. We're not supposed to agree with darkness. We're not supposed to, uh, what's another word? Um, we're not supposed to approve Everybody's approving everything now. How you want to live, they want to affirm it. It's okay. Like, I, I have a family member who thinks it's okay to, to smoke weed, and, and that's the way that, that God speaks to them because they're meditating. That's not okay. That's not okay. It's not okay. Let me give you an indicator. If, you see, if, if there's anybody in your life, this is how you know that you're trending towards, towards darkness. If somebody is pulling you towards, towards immorality, if somebody's pulling you more towards um, compromise, right? If anybody in your life, if, if somebody in your life has that quality, you need to run from them. Run from them because it's the, their intention, they're, they're like a, a, a plug sent there by the enemy to drag you down. And when you don't remain, when you don't remain, when you don't remain in God's presence and his love, when you don't remain in fellowship with him, you are easily deceived. Because our heart is deceitful. The Bible says the the heart of man is the most deceitful thing. And so all it takes is for somebody to connect with your heartstrings. It takes for something to connect with your heartstrings to justify whatever behavior or action or attitude you want to have. And you're you're led. You're led. Easily, easily led astray. So practicing the truth. That's one part. In John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, it says if someone claims to know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. Living in the truth. Practicing the truth, living in the truth. So John says, if anybody says, I know God, we hear that a lot. We hear that a lot. Man, I know God. I have a relationship. But I got a couple of scriptures I want to read. The Bible preaches itself, by the way. Y'all should read your Bible. It's really awesome. In verse 4, it says, everyone who sins is breaking God's law. All sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. If you keep on sinning, you don't know God. You can say the right stuff. You can keep coming to church. But if you keep doing the things that you know God says don't do, you don't know God. Because if you knew God, you would adjust. If you knew God, you would turn away. It's not enough to just come to church. It's not enough just to be in small groups. It's not enough 
You have to know God for yourself. And we're going to get to how, how, that, how you can do that. This is Titus 1.16. It says, such people claim they know God, but they deny him. They deny him by the way they live. They are detestable, disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. That's brutal. Worthless. Denying God by the way that you live. And I know there's pressure to conform. There's pressure, there's pressure to, to, to change. You know, some of us, we want to be accepted by other people. Like, part of my story growing up, um, it was a struggle for me because I, I never fit into any type of friend group. I was always kind of the, 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 the last man out, the guy who was excluded. And so because... Because I, f- I didn't get that attention or I didn't get that affirmation, it was like I was always trying to adapt and, and conform myself so that people would accept me. And sometimes I, was, I remember one time um, I went to, I was in a group, um, uh, FBLA, Future Business Leaders of America in high school. And so, first of all, I don't know why they let us alone, but we were a group of high school kids in downtown Athens for a convention. And um, you shouldn't be in downtown Athens by yourself. Um, <laughs> yeah, Babylon. Downtown Athens. And uh, I've never told this story. Oh, my gosh. All right. Downtown Athens. Um, me, three other guys, right, um, with our group. I mean, anyways. So we're in this convention. You have a ton of high school kids from around the, um, the nation meeting in Athens. This is 2008, 2009, 2008. Um, and so we um, are downtown, and we're walking. We're walking. We're just chilling. Um, and then my, 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 they're not my, they weren't my friends. I was trying to fit in with them. But they're like, man, let's go see what we can get into. And let me, let, let me tell you something. If you look for trouble, trouble will find you. Okay? Always. Let me let, preface, if you look for trouble, trouble will find you. Okay? So, we're walking, we're walking, all right? All of a sudden, we're walking, and we're, we're passing this hotel. We're passing this hotel, and then we look up, and there's literally four girls in the window, and they're calling. They're like, hey. And I'm like, okay. And the guys are like, hey, let's go up there. Let's go up there. Let's go up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm thinking... Are we going to do this? Is this really happening? I'm like, I shouldn't do this. I know I'm not, I'm not supposed to be doing this. But again, I'm like, man, I want these guys to accept me. Right? I want to be, like, be popular. I want to be cool. I want to be. So I'm like, all right, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to, whatever happens, I'm just going to follow. And so the girls are like, come up here, come up here. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this is really happening. This is really happening. This is really happening. Um, so we go, we go to the, their hotel room, and um, everyone's kind of just talking. Everyone's kind of just talking. And I'm trying to be like, okay, I, I, I need to act like they're acting, because they're acting a certain way, so I need to do this, and I do that. And I'm conforming. I'm, I'm conforming, right? I'm starting to, to, to talk how they're talking, I'm so, and I'm starting to, to, like, my mannerisms and everything. Um, very, very crazy that night. Um, nothing happened, by the way. Nothing happened, all right? Um, thank the Lord, nothing happened. Um, but we eventually left. Um, but I remember, like, walking away from there. I was like, man, um, I'm never going to do that again. Um, because I realized that I put myself in a position. One, um, we, we, we should have gotten caught. I don't know how we didn't get caught. Um, but we would have gotten in trouble. Um, probably would have got suspended. Um, a whole bunch of other things could have happened towards that. But what happens is when you allow darkness, when you're not walking in fellowship with God, right? And because some of us sometimes it's like an, uh, an area of brokenness, right, which is legitimate. But because we're not living in submission, because we're not allowing God to work on us and to change us, like we're easily led astray, right, because of our, 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 the, the lust and the passion and, and, and the deceitfulness of our heart. It's easy to be in a place where we are disobedient, where we are, the way that we're acting is worthless. 
is crazy. It's, it's detestable. And John 3.20, Joy, let's, we can go to the next one. It says, all who do evil hate light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. And that's why people like the darkness so much, because there's no, you, you don't get exposed. You can do whatever you want to in the dark. You can do whatever you want to. No one's going to call you out on your stuff. Everyone's going to say it's okay. You have a right to do this. You have a right to feel this way. You have a right to act that way. Anybody know anyone in your life that acts like that? It's like they justify. It's like you, you, you might talk to them about an issue, and then it's like they, well, it's like they, they give you a reason to, 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 to do what you know you shouldn't do. Or they, they, they make it sound like it's okay, like it's justified. John 8, 44. Let's go to that one. It says, for you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He's a liar and the father of lies. Not only does he practice lying, but it's consistent with who he is. And for us as believers, if we want to be consistent with who God is, we have to practice the truth of God. That's what living in the truth means, is being obedient, being subject to God's authority, God's rule. That's why when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're saying, God, I don't want my will. I don't want my ideas. I don't want my perception of things, God. I want your way. I want your understanding. I want your, the way that you see things to be played out in my life. Because it's easy for me to fall into an, into an area where I am, I am you know, lying, you know, or I am, I'm stealing or, or, or living outside of God's will. And what happens eventually, you do, think, you do something once. That might not necessarily make you that thing, but you continue to do it, it becomes, your, it becomes who you are. Someone, some, some, someone who, who, who shoplifts one time, you know, I think everyone has shoplifted before. I remember I got beat one time really bad um, for shoplifting, right? That, that, just because I did it one time, that did not assume that that's who my character was. But if I begin to get addicted to that and I begin to look for ways, then I become a shoplifter. I become a thief, right? The more you fall into sin, the more, the more sometimes, you know, you take that one puff, right? You take that, you snort that one line, you take that one drink, it's fun for a while, but then you don't realize the trap that you're getting caught in. And so now the act of sin becomes your identity. It becomes your identity. So back to 1 John chapter 3. It says for, you got that? So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close right here. In order for us to live in the truth, to practice the truth, to live in the truth, the first thing is obedience. The first thing is obedience. So what is obedience? What is obedience? It's literally just doing what God says. Right? John continues later. He says, uh, one way that you can show that you belong to God is how you love one another. So if you're a believer, if you claim to know God, if you claim to have a relationship, but then yet you judge, and I'm not talking because we, as Christians, we, ha- we have to be judging people, but not in an unrighteous manner. Like, I'm talking about judging in the fact that you're, you're pronouncing judgment. You're pronouncing judgment, right? So if you, if you don't have love for another believer, if you have hate in your heart, if you have disdain in your heart for someone else, that is not showing fruit or evidence that you belong to God. 
Right, so the Bible says, Jesus says to love one another. Love one another. He says, love God, love people. If you walk outside the door, you see on the top when you walk out, love Jesus, love people. That's our mission. For you to be in fellowship with God, obedience to God. Obedience to God. Obeying his word. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, because some of you, the Holy Spirit has specifically told you certain things not to do. But because you see other people do it, who call themselves Christians, you like to think it's okay. And that, hey, well, maybe if I do it, like, well, maybe God was just saying maybe one time, hey, don't do this this time. No, God is saying, hey, if God tells you don't do this, you don't do that. doesn't matter if he didn't tell anybody else. You have to be obedient to what God tells you. You have to be obedient to what God tells you. His word. You cannot compromise God's word. Compromise is the devil's playground. I think we've heard that before, right? Compromise is the devil's playground. And so the moment you begin to live in, 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 in a place of compromising, the moment you begin to, to, to fellowship with that, you are disassociating yourself. You can say whatever you want to say. You can say, I love God. I go to church. I love Jesus with all my heart. But then if your actions show differently, if the way that, if the way that you live shows differently, then that means you are not God's children. And everybody likes to say, oh, man, we're all God's children. No, the Bible clearly says that those who love God and obey him are God's children. You hear all the, all the, all the artists in the music, the music industry like to say that. And I'm God's child. No, you're not. There's a difference. And loving one another. Loving one another. It's the expression. I think that's probably one of the highest expressions because God himself is love. And because the Bible says, because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Loving one another is a selfless thing. It's not a selfish thing. It's something that requires sacrifice. It's something that requires you um, humbling yourself. And, and, and that's what obedience to God's word requires as well. Humility in both these things. Because it takes... It takes, for me to have compassion and care for someone else, it takes a level of humility because we all are selfish. We all like to think about ourselves first. We're programmed that way. You come out your mom's womb programmed that way because it's all about you. It's all about you. But God says, no, you love one another. You love one another. You share each other's burdens. Now, you can come up, man. Just to back that point up, 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. It says, if anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone, you can go, yeah, but anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Having been blinded by the darkness. God wants us all as his children to walk in light. God wants us all as his children to walk in obedience. God wants us all as his children to have fellowship with him. And I think if you ask yourself that question, if you want to have fellowship with God, I think a lot of you, almost everybody in here would say yes. Because nobody wants to be on the opposing side of God. I don't think anybody wants to be on that side. Nobody wants to go against God. Nobody wants to, everybody wants to know and believe, hey, that I'm a child of God. that I have a relationship with God. But we have to understand, we have to realize that because God is pure, because God is perfect, because God is holy, because God is set apart, God requires us, God wants us to live in that place of his light in order for us to have fellowship. And so some of us, we, we find ourselves being blinded by darkness. We have, a, we have a hard time loving one another. 
we have a hard time submitting ourselves to the will of God. We have a hard time, right? We wrestle. It's like a, it's a struggle. And the enemy is, is, is pulling. The enemy is, is constantly working. And we feel a tug to, okay, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but, you know, maybe just a little bit. It's like there's a compromise. There's a, there's a, there's a constant compromise happening. And we find it very difficult to stand strong to stand strong, to resist the enemy, to resist temptation, to resist the lies. We find ourselves being pulled, pulled away, pulled away. And so this morning, as we close, you guys can stand up. For those of us who, who find ourselves in a struggle, in a in a and a war where it's like, okay, God, I want to obey you. God, I don't want to walk in darkness. God, I want to live in the light. I want to practice the truth. I want to live in the truth. But then we have opposing forces. We have so much, so much that is coming against us. That, and, and we feel like, man, every time I try, every time I try, I fail. And so what's the point of it? What's the point? I believe today that God can, can shift things for you. I believe that God can remove that veil, that blinding veil, that darkness, and that light will begin to flood your life, and that you'll, you, you will begin to find a, 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 new, a new passion to be able to live for God, to be able to, to live in obedience, to be able to live in submission to Him. And so with every eye closed, I'm just going to pray this prayer. And as I pray, if, if this is you, I just want you to agree, and I want you to believe, and I want you in your heart, agree and ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to help you. Ask the Lord to take away those, those evil desires. Ask the Lord to expose every darkness in your life. Ask the Lord to remove the blinding veil, the blinding scales off of your eyes so that you can see him clearly and so that you can be in fellowship with him. So, Lord Jesus, this morning, Lord, we come before you, God. We recognize that you are light, God. We recognize that there is no darkness in you. Lord, we recognize that you are perfect in all of your ways, God, that there is no flaw in your character. There is no flaw in your nature. That you are perfect. You are pure. And, Lord, this morning, God, we're coming to you because we realize Lord, that we have areas in our lives that we are blinded by darkness. We have areas in our lives, God, that we cannot live in submission to you, that we cannot live in obedience to you. And Lord, maybe we've struggled and maybe we've tried and maybe we've worked hard, but God, it seems like we we can never take a step forward. And Father, for a lot of us, God, there's areas where compromise is ruling our desires and ruling our thoughts. Is governing us, Lord. But Lord, your word says that your light exposes all things. Lord, your word says that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, you're able to cause us, God, to walk in a righteous manner. You're able to help us, Lord. And so, Lord, I'm asking this morning, Lord, we ask this morning that you would remove every dark veil every dark veil, God, that blinds us. Burn away every dark veil of confusion. Burn away every dark veil of complacency, of compromise. Every dark veil the enemy has has put on us to keep us from seeing your truth, from walking in your light, from walking in obedience, from practicing your truth, from living in your truth, from obeying your word. Lord, burn away every veil of rebellion. God, that is blinding us. Burn away every veil of disobedience. Lord, that is blinding us. Where the enemy has access over us. Where the enemy has power over us. Lord, we choose today to submit to your word. We choose today to submit ourselves to obedience to you. Lord, to submit ourselves to your love, to your light, Lord. 
And Father, we ask, we ask, God, that as you remove the veil, that as you remove the darkness, as you tear down those walls, tear down those strongholds that keep us bound, Lord, that you would help us, God, that you would, that your light would shine upon us, Lord, that you would help us to walk in your truth, help us to walk in your power. Lord, help us not to compromise your word in our lives. Help us not to compromise and allow the enemy to work in us. Help us to stand in boldness. Help us to stand in boldness in your word, in your truth, in your light, God, and in your love. Lord, give us compassion. Give us a heart for you. Give us a heart for others. Lord, may we see the expression of your love evident in the relationships that we have with other people. May we see the expression of your love evident, Lord, by the way we walk, by the way we talk, God, by the way that we live. And that when people see us, Lord, that they would see your light, that they would see you. Lord, I thank you, God, that you want us to have relationship with you. You desire to be in fellowship with us. And Lord, I just ask for that same passion that you have for us, that we would have it too, God that you would give us a burning desire to love you, a burning desire to want more and more and more of you, a burning desire, God, to, to be in fellowship and in constant communion with you, forsaking the darkness, forsaking wickedness, forsaking rebellion, Lord, and passionately pursuing you. Lord, we, we surrender to you today. We surrender our thoughts. We surrender our lives. We surrender our actions. We surrender our emotions. Every part of our lives, God, we surrender to you. And Lord, I ask that you would come and change us. Come and change us. Come and change us, Lord. Come and make us like you. Transform us, Lord, into the same degree of glory as we behold you, as we behold your face. Transform us and change our lives. Lord, we love you today, God. We bless you. I thank you, God. I just pray that your word would, would, would be planted in our hearts, Lord, and I rebuke the enemy right now that would try to snatch your word from our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would seal our hearts this morning. Oh, Father, that we would leave here, Lord, Lord, more on fire for you, God, and with a desire to walk in obedience and to live in your truth. Lord, I love you. Lord, we love you. We bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen.